Bijan Robinson is the do-it-all running back that's in a perfect situation here in Atlanta. So says my guest, Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. We'll talk with him about the rest of the Falcons draft class and if they've done enough to put them into playoff contention come January. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black. And, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And this episode of Locked On Falcons is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Locked On today and to get 10% off your first month. And guys, I want to thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. You hold a special place in my heart as everydayers and all you non-everydayers follow their blueprint by subscribing or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. So today's episode, we will be joined by Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, as well as the DraftNetwork.com to get his thoughts on B. John Robinson and the Falcons 2023 draft class. Later in the episode, we'll be talking about the Falcons' newest addition to their roster in ex-Bengals cornerback slash safety, Trey Flowers, and we'll touch upon what he brings to the table uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, as well as potentially who he might be pushing off the roster uh, at the end of today's episode. But first, let's get into that conversation with DP and his thoughts on Bijan Robinson. All right, everyone, we are back with another illustrious guest. He is none other than Damian Parson, who is the co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can also find his written video in all types of draft-related content over at the Draft Network. Damian, my friend, Welcome back to the show. I uh, appreciate you having me back, brother. It's uh, it's always good, good, good talking ball with you. Shout out to the Falcons fans; they show me a lot of love on social media. So you know, nothing but love this way as well. Yes, yes. The minute you say anything bad about B. John Robinson or Desmond, Jesus Ritter, Christ, we will come yeah. for you. Though we no, hundred percent. I know, I know that now. I know that one hundred percent. Well, let's talk a little bit about B. John Robinson and that selection. You know, you have some people that love the pick. Uh, you have some people that were. I won't say hated, but certainly yeah. questioned it. I'm just curious, where did you come down on that pick? Um, I mean, it's not a bad pick. I mean, you got a blue chip player, like one of the only three blue chip players in the class. Uh, you know, he does everything. Catch the ball in the backfield, run between tackles, bounce. You know, he can bounce runs outside. So this is a, a guy that, you know, for a run-heavy offense, you know, he's going to have, I think me and Keith talked about on Locked on NFL Draft, which running back was put in the perfect situation. It was B. John Robinson. He's going to Arthur Smith's run-heavy offense that wants to pound the rock and play, you know, uh, clock control and everything. So um, the pick overall, I I liked it, especially because of the talent. My main thing was just, okay, I just looked at – I got A.J. Terrell. Like, I I looked at the the edge rushers that were available, like the Miles Murphys. You got Christian Gonzalez. And I'm like, man, I would have loved to have one of those those type of guys on the defense because at the end of the day, that's really where – 
the the growth needed to happen for the, the Atlanta Falcons was defensively. And yeah, Bijan can help in terms of keeping them fresh, uh, you know, on the sideline and things like that, control the clock. But it's more so like, man, you know, if you do get you put yourself in a situation like, all right, if I do get into a shootout, is my def- I asked the question I asked, is my defense good enough? to get a couple stops versus the Philadelphia Eagles versus, you know, a Dallas Cowboys. If they're, if their offense is humming these, you know, these different offenses, the Vikings and different things like that. Can my defense like put their cleats in the ground and get us consecutive stops if we need them to. And I just was like, all right, I know that a Gonzalez or a Miles Murphy, a a true edge rusher uh, could really, could really have uh, helped that. But getting Bijan, it wasn't like for those who Really, really dislike it. I know what it is. It's the positional value. I get mm-hmm. it. I totally get it. But, you know, understand that at the end of the day, you know, what I think the big thing is what Tyler Algier lacks in terms of athleticism and agility and speed, Bijan's going to bring to the table. Yeah. You know, the, the whole positional value conversation is something that I have basically thrown away here on, on the podcast because <laughs> obviously, I mean, there's really – no argument. It, all the data basically tells you that, you know, running backs don't matter and the running game is not yeah. important and all that stuff. But I, I just sit here and I go like, there's got to be an exception to the rule. Right. And Bijan is like, it has to be that exception. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? No, I mean, it, it is. And, you know, I, I, my main thing is I always said like, and, and you know, for me is I always look at running back like quarterback and it's like, man, if your team's terrible, don't draft one. You know what I mean? Like if you are, if you're a really bad team, like those, that Panthers team that drafted, you know, Christian McCaffrey, don't do it. Like you know what I mean? You're not gonna get the, you're not gonna get the return on your investment. But the Falcons is, you guys are not in that type of situation. And I understand where Arthur Smith is 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 looking at it from the aspect of, because I truly believe this. Like I don't think Arthur Smith is, and some people may disagree. I don't think he's safe in terms of his job security. And it's more so like, all right, I see that there's blood in the water in the NFC South. And if I can get to the playoffs, I can, you know, extend my, I can reset my clock a little bit. And I think that's what he was going for, you know, getting guys that can come in and and play right away. And the one position that you typically can get immediate value out of are running backs. They don't, it doesn't take a whole lot for a running back to, yeah, you sometimes you guys like, cause be like, even with a Bijan, Bijan has a tendency to, to turn down interior run lanes and, jump cut outside and stuff like that. And you want him to, you know, just kind of sometimes stick to it. Cause it's like, all right. Like, cause Saquon, like Saquon used to do that a lot coming out of Penn, at Penn state. He would look inside, like, uh, I'm a jump cut. But it was like Saquon, you know, in terms of like burst and explosiveness, this is a little different guy, but like overall, it doesn't take a lot for running backs to really get acclimated to the league. You just got to get acclimated to the speed and be, and make sure that you're being disciplined because the NFL defenders are just so much more faster, bigger, stronger, and, and they are more disciplined as well until they're cutting off running lanes. But over other than that, man, I mean, he's, he, he will help Desmond Ritter, like I said, especially Arthur Smith runs a lot of pistol sets. Um, you know, the king and queen variation where you have an extra come out in 12 personnel where it looks different. It's not two tight ends on the line. It's one tight end on the line, another tight end as, you know, as an H-back flanking, um, you know, Desmond Ritter and then Bijan in the back, right behind him in the backfield. And that and that can create different variations of, of zone read and uh, inside zone and split zone and different things like that. So this run game is going to be extremely creative. I love the way that it, it was creative last year with the Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. I can't wait to study this offense three, four weeks into the season when they really start ro- getting rolling with Bijan being your starting back. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll talk a little bit later on the pod on on whether or not the Falcons can get things rolling enough to make to the postseason. We'll get Dame's thoughts on that. But I do want to get his thoughts on the rest of the Falcons draft class and see if the Falcons nabbed any of Dame's dudes with their other five picks in this draft class. And we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp, and you've heard me talk about the benefits that I've gotten from getting into therapy with BetterHelp over the summer. And, you know, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last year and the alleged improvements it's made, you can partially thank BetterHelp for that, because one of the things I've it's helped me understand is that I can control what I can control. I can't control if the Falcons draft the player I like. I can't control if the Falcons win a football game. What I can control is the quality of this podcast. And I've heard a lot of feedback from you guys over the last year that you've seen an improvement in this podcast. Uh, and again, I think some of that is owed to better help and better help uh, and therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's well worth it. I highly recommend it. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist right away. And you can then switch therapists if you feel the need to with for no additional charge. So find more balance in your balance with BetterHelp by visiting BetterHelp.com slash locked on today. And you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. So, guys, here with Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Network. And, Dame, you have a lot of dudes out there, players that you are a big <laughs> fan of. It seems like every week on Locked On NFL Draft, Keith is asking you, your co-host Keith Sanchez is asking you, is this guy a Dame's dude? And it feels like you rattle off like six names. And so I feel like you have like 200 guys that are Dame's <laughs> dudes. But I'm, I'm curious if any of those guys were selected by the Atlanta Falcons after round one. Um. Trying to remember how I felt about Clark Phillips when I said on the pod. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, yo, Clark was one of my dudes. It was Clark and THT, and I said I, Clark was more of one of my dudes than than THT was. Clark was the guy, and I and I love the pick mainly because of the value. Like you're talking about one of the better corners in college football. Ball skills, competitive, uh, play press man, play off, played zone, very scheme versatile. Now. We got to the combine and he did not measure in at five ten like I thought he was five ten five eleven. It was like, well, that's a little bit of a disappointment because I thought he was taller. He looked taller on tape to me. So um, he coming in at five nine. I think what's going to end up happening is he's more than likely going to get kicked down inside at, at the nickel. And you know you have Jeff Okuda, uh, you know at the at the other outside position. But what, the, what to me what it allows you to do is keep AJ Terrell from having to travel. Put him on his side, on his side of the field. Let him lock down his side. Let Clark Phillips play in the nickel, and him and Jeff Okuda both can rotate in and out as a nickel and outside uh, corner. So yeah, I, I love the pick, the value. Get him in the fourth round. You know what I mean? Like this guy, not only does he have the ball skills, but he had the return ability to when he took the ball away, he could take it back for six, and that helps. You need that type of guy on defense where if you do test him. And in the quarterback, you know he's he's late on the throw or he's not on. You know he's not precise. Like Clark can make a play on the ball and then keep his balance after making the play and, and, and taking it to the to the end zone, man, putting up points uh, for your defense. And anytime you got uh, your defense can score for you, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Now you, you talk about how much you liked Clark Phillips. Were there any of the other picks that the Falcons had that maybe had you a little bit less in love, maybe scratching your head a little bit? 
Zach Harrison in the third round. Uh, I liked Zach Harrison, um, you know, a, a little bit. You know, he, toolsy kid. Like, this young man has all the physical traits and, and athleticism. You think he tested out of this world. He's big, strong, you know. But when you turn on the tape, you see someone that's technically unrefined, um, someone that's just not consistent. And, and for a team that, to me, like, you know, I like the Calais Campbell signing and the uh, David Anyamada signing, the edge, what you're telling me is like, okay, we're banking on D'Angelo Malone and Otto Epichetti to be our fastballs off the edge and our go, our, our sack getters, our go getters, right? I always talk about like with basketball, when you, when you need a bucket, the Phoenix, we saw it last night, the Phoenix Suns needed a bucket, Devin Booker, like it didn't really matter, right? And, it, and it's the same thing in the NFL. When you need a guy that can, a receiver, I need a catch. I need a big catch. You know, you look at the Julio Jones who's been, who spent most of his year there, right? You look at Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Those guys can go get it. You know what I mean? Devon Millers and, you know, Miles Garrett and TJ Watts and those guys, at edge rusher, like they can go get you a sack. And I, I think the upside is there for either one of those guys in terms of Malone and Epichetti, but you're banking on them taking that next step. Because for me personally, I don't even view Zach Harrison as a true edge rusher. I view him more so a guy that when you rush him, you want to make him a three tech and reduce him inside and allow that length to, and that power and that speed to overwhelm guards on the interior to where now you allow him because it's hard for him to like if his hands don't win immediately, it's like, OK, can he turn the corner? Can he flip and rotate those hips uh, to close on the quarterback and win that outside arc? And it's not something you see a lot on tape, but I think the upside for him, uh, you know, Aaron is like, man, you rescue some inside at three at three tech. Of course, Grady's going to get double teamed. No matter who he faces, they're going to double team Big Grady. They better. Uh, if they, You know what I mean? If they don't, he's getting back there. So, like, if you double team Grady, you have a guy like like um, like Zach Harrison inside. Uh, I think that you get, you get the chance to really put pressure from the interior right in the face and in the, 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 the lap of a quarterback, and that's the quickest path. But uh, that was a pick I was a little – you know, I, I think I graded them fourth round, day three. Um, so I, it was a little caught me off guard. I felt like there were some edge rushes they probably could have just added to this this edge rush group because I wanted to see more explosiveness and more consistency off the edge so that you can really maximize this defensive rebuild and retooling. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair assessment. It, it feels like Harrison is more of a complimentary pass rusher. That if you have the you know as you said the fastballs coming off the edge. You know, those guys forcing the quarterback to step up into the pocket, he can collapse the pocket, um, but he's not going to be the guy, as you put it, that's going to go out there and get you the bucket. He might be able to get be to, to use a bad basketball analogy. He'll get the rebound and kick it out to the guy that's going to take the shot. But like he's that's not a good analogy. That's, that's actually a good analogy. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. So uh, that makes sense. Any, any other thoughts on the other picks that the Falcons had? Any thoughts on Matthew Bergeron, DeMarco Hellams or Jovan Gwynn? Um, Helms is a guy I've scouted for like the past two years. I thought he was gonna come out last year, uh, but he gives you a lot of versatility in the safety room. I think he can come down and play tight ends and man to man coverage and kind of play a big nickel. Um, if you want to, you know, kind of run with like a three safety rotation, if you wanted to do something like that, you know, we see that a lot in the NFL pull a linebacker off the field and put a more athletic body on those third and longs to be able to defend big, you know, what we call power slots, those big body slot receivers and these tight ends. Uh, so I like the, especially the value, you know, you know, day three, you know, where they were able to get Helms. I think he could be a good uh, contributor to this defense as well as on special teams. And then I do like Matthew Bergeron, somebody that really impressed me down in Mobile. Um, and when the, when the pick happened, um, I was a little uh, shocked that they kind of moved up for him, especially because I think uh, 
of course, well, from everything I've you know, that's been said, it's like he's more than likely putting going kick down and left guard. And I was like, mm, you know, again, I was like, man, edge rusher, um, corner, especially all the corners that were you know, that were coming off the board in the second round. Man, I would like I said, I would have loved to see a Julius Brintz in Atlanta to pair with an AJ Terrell or something like that, and all these different. It's like I think it was like. Not like I think five to seven corners came off the board in round two, so I think with him and then like the interior O line, um, you could, there were guys you could have got, you really could have gotten there or used to playing guard. You know what I mean? That are cuts. That's their position that you could have gotten. Really, like Emil Ekior, he went undrafted because he played. He's more of a center that was playing guard um, for Alabama, but he can play guard. So it was a guy you could have gotten on day three. And, you know, you look at all these different guys, you know, at the interior offensive line spot. So I felt like they could have, you know, went and got a more impactful player on defense with that pick and then got an interior offensive lineman late. But Matthew Bergeron is a good player, powerful. You turn on the tape of him versus uh, Isaiah Foskey when he's playing left tackle, um, you know, at Syracuse versus Notre Dame. And Foskey's a power rusher. And he had absolutely no shot of powering through a Matthew Bergeron. He was able to sit and anchor, you know, really meet him at the apex. And then he, he played well at, at, the, at the senior bowl, man, really physical. I didn't expect him to be as physical as he was, so that really helps this run game and everything. So um, I, I like the pick you know, overall, especially the player. Uh, like I said, the move, them moving up was kind of confusing to me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, similar conversation uh, about positional value, right? You know, you're putting so much value on a non-premium position. And so that's going to be the question for a lot of Falcons draft picks over the years. We, we, that was the question about Kyle Pitts when the Falcons selected him. And so I think the Falcons have basically clearly said they don't care about positional value over the last couple of years in the draft. So (laughs) that will be something that we'll have to keep an eye on in future drafts, but uh, we'll move the conversation forward to talk about this Falcon team this season. And as Dame put it earlier, you know, they're expecting to have some of these guys come in right away impact and whether or not, you know, that's going to lead to them, you know, potentially playing games in January. And we'll get Dame's thoughts on that in the Falcons overall as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, uh, wrapping up here with Damian Parson of the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. And, of course, I want to thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. Always shout out my everydayers. And tomorrow's episode, we'll be talking more about Matthew Bergeron with offensive line guru Brandon Thorne, as well as Locked on Syracuse host Owen Valentine, but here with Dame Parson of Locked On NFL Draft and want to talk, you know, about the Falcons overall outlook. Now that the draft is over, you know, what is your thoughts on this Falcons team heading into the season? As you mentioned earlier, the NFC South is wide open and certainly at least in the state of Georgia, a lot of people are feeling very optimistic about this Falcons team. Are you buying stock on the Falcons being a playoff team this season? I, I am. Um, last year, they were very close. Um, they were they were really close. It was some like one score games, some games that just didn't go the direction. You know, Mariota not playing up to the to the level that we kind of hoped. Um, I know I was hoping for him to play at a high level because I wanted to see him get another shot. He did, and it did not go the way I expected it to. So um, I think with this team, uh, especially with the NFC South, man, I, I, Carolina fans they feel good because they have Bryce. You know, but the, there's a lot of question marks on that offense, you know, receiver wise, things of that nature. And, and, you know, the biggest threat to, you know, to win this division is the Saints, you know, because you, you typically look at, OK, who has the best, the best quarterback? And a lot of people say it's Derek Carr. He's the veteran. He's done it, you know, for multiple years, you know, by five years of four thousand plus yards. So I think that's the biggest um, that that's the biggest uh, competitor right now. And I think that those are games that 
if you can get the run game going, kind of force them into coverages that are advantageous. The main thing I, I think that it's going to dictate everything, right? A lot of people say, well, it's Desmond Ritter. Yeah, it, yeah, but I think the asterisk with that is it's going to be Arthur Smith and his play calling, where in terms of you have to make defenses play honest football. If they come out there and they're playing, you know, if, yeah, teams, if, if you can't run the ball, teams are going to play too high. You know what I mean? They're like, whatever. Like, if you got explosive passing options, you got Tyreek, the Miami Dolphins, you're playing too high. You're like, absolutely not. We're not letting those two guys get deep. So you want to keep all the explosive plays from happening. I think with the Falcons is Arthur Smith has to make sure you spent two high picks on pass catchers, you know, in, in the most recent years. With Drake London last year, I think pick eight, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think pick was it pick three, I think it was four. for Kyle pick four for Kyle pick. So that's a, that, those are high picks that you picked on pass catchers. Get the passing game going. Um, you know, like I said, there were splash plays available last year that Mario couldn't convert on. I think Desmond Ritter can. So as long as Arthur Smith can be balanced, uh, don't be too over, overly reliant on, on the run game. What I don't want him to do is don't be Greg Roman. You know what I mean? For, for, and if anybody doesn't know that name, that was the offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson, who was recently let go uh, when they brought in Todd Munkin. It was an offense that was predictable. Like, oh, we know it's going to be zone read. We know it's going to be QB, uh, you know, QB power. We know it's going to be run game and and attacking between the numbers. It wasn't a vertical passing offense to really get you splash plays. So I just want, I just that's my main thing is like get Ritter comfortable early in the season, especially with the run game and everything. Offensive line doing their job, but make sure that you get Kyle Pitts, a healthy Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. These guys should see no more, no less than eighty targets for the season each. They got to get these boys involved because that's what's going to really dictate the coverages. Because if you can, if they go cover one with one high safety and you want to play action and you hit them over the top, then they're not defense coordinators. Like, All right, now I got Mike have to start dr- pulling that safety back. And now that helps the run game because it changes the numbers in the run game. So I think, you know, for, for them, the defense is, is, is much improved, much improved from last year. Um, you know, I, I think this, if, if there's, I know, um, you know, one of my guys uh, was on Twitter saying that, you know, yeah, no, we got some some cakewalks. I'm like, whoa, 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 like relax, <laughs> like relax. It's a little too early to be talking like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna be some. This this team's gonna be competitive. It's gonna be physical. It's gonna be competitive. And what I expect them to do is turn games into into a bar fight. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's gonna turn into a backyard brawl with this run game, and, and hopefully the defense plays uh, as physical as the offense could. And if so, you know what I mean? Shorten games, shorten possessions um, for opposing offenses. You know, Derek Carr can't do anything if he's sitting on the sideline for half the game. You know what I mean? And that's that's the plan. So just be be um, be balanced so that you can actually do that and, and make those big explosive plays. And if so, I think you guys actually absolutely could make you could win this division and and, uh, and host and host a playoff game. You know, Atlanta be rocking. You know, what I mean, first that first week of, of January if they could host a playoff game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, the the whole cakewalk thing. I, yeah, I I would be surprised if the Falcons blow out anybody this season. You know, m- m- you know, I think they might have Arizona on the schedule, so we'll see yeah, about that, that might one. Be it. Yeah, but <laughs> that might be one. <laughs> but I, I do think there are going to be a lot of close games, as you mentioned earlier, like we saw last year. And I think the hope is that with the improvements that this team has made on both sides of the ball, those will be games that they will be able to finish and close out and we will see this team you know 
you know, they, they might have like 12 or 13 one score games this year, right. but right. hopefully, you know, they can win like eight, nine and, and possibly 10 of those games uh, in order to put themselves in a position uh, to make the postseason. So I think things are looking up with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Dame, I think this was a great breakdown of, you know, not only their draft class, but things for people to look out for when the season starts. But let the people know that what they should be looking out for on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, as well as the Draft Network over the ensuing months. I, I hear through the grapevine, you're going to start turning your attention to the 2024 draft oh, class yeah. of people need to get their Dallas Turner and Drake May and, uh, right. you know, Marvin Harrison <laughs> Jr., as well as, of course, Caleb Williams takes. You know, I, I'm curious when you guys are going to get that stuff going over on oh, Locked On NFL Draft. Oh yeah, it's, it's coming. We we start summer scouting uh, next Monday. Matter of fact, uh, I'm going. I'm actually taking a couple of days and going to chill at the beach with the family. Man, get get myself some time to decompress and get ready for it. But absolutely, uh, we start you know start summer scouting next week. Right now, we're going through um, kind of positional fits. Today, we broke down uh, you know just kind of the 2023 versus 2022 cornerback class. Uh, and, and you know, with me and Keith. Being on the opposite side of the spectrum of which class we think was better, uh, you know, as prospects, not so much, you know, because 2022 has had two all pro rookies. But, uh, you know, definitely tap in with us. We're going through that. We're going to talk edge rushers on tomorrow, tomorrow's episode and everything. So we got a lot coming down the pipeline. 2024 will be here before you know it. Uh, we'll be talking some, you know, keep our eyes on the rookies in minicamp and those second year players as well, since we weren't here on the on the locked on NFL draft for last draft cycle. So we're going to talk about guys, you know, breakout candidates, guys that can have a, you know, a rebound sophomore year after having a rough rookie year, things of that nature. Absolutely. So I've been enjoying your guys' uh, content over these last couple of months now that you've sort of taken over the reins yeah. of the podcast. No shade meant at the previous host or anything like that, but <laughs> it's been great. And I, I definitely look forward to that summer scouting as I'm sitting here grinding film on, on Matthew Bergeron <laughs> and DeMarco Hellums, you know. Part of me is going to be like, OK, what, you know, who, who's, who's going to be the stars in next year's class that when I finally get the chance to sit back, relax and, and watch some college football later this fall, who are the people I'm going to Absolutely. keep an eye on? So that will definitely be something on my radar in the coming weeks uh, over the course of the summer. So, Dame, again, really appreciate you coming on and joining me here on today's Lockdown Falcons. Yes, sir. All right, guys, and don't worry, we're not done on today's Locked on Falcons. And I want to again thank Damian Parson, a.k.a. DP, uh, for joining me on today's episode. But let's talk about Trey Flowers, the ex-Bengals, ex-Seahawks um, cornerback that the Falcons signed today. And we talked about Trey Flowers roughly seven weeks ago uh, on this podcast. I believe it was the D-Hop episode where we talked about the possibility of trading for DeAndre Hopkins because on that day, Trey Flowers visited the Falcons initially. And rather than just rehashing what I said about Trey Flowers on that episode, I'll just play you the three minutes that I said about Trey Flowers then. They still apply now. So, you know, through the power of vetting, here you go. If you don't know anything about Trey Flowers, uh, we're not referring to the former New England Patriots pass rusher that uh, wrecked us in, in the Super Bowl several years ago. We're talking about a defensive back that was a former fifth round pick of the Seattle Seahawks back in 2018. He started for the Seahawks. Uh, as an outside corner for the first two years of his NFL career wasn't particularly great. And that's understandable because Trey Flowers wasn't a cornerback in college. He was a safety in college. He played safety at Oklahoma State, but because of his size and his length, Seattle did the thing that they had been doing a lot 
over the previous decade, which was try to convert him to corner. It didn't necessarily work. And to me, it's not to say that Trey Flowers was the catalyst that brought down their defense, but I think it, it's not a coincidence that they tried that. And then shortly after moving on from Trey Flowers, they wound up cutting him through uh, midway through the 2021 season. But it was around that time when the Seattle realized, okay, the way the Seahawks style of defense, uh, you know, cover three, all that sort of stuff, big, long corners that play zone. Uh, that style of defense is, is is being phased out in the NFL, is, is going the way of the dodo, and let's try to get with the times. And so I, I don't think that's a coincidence that, you know, Trey Flowers was kind of the last hurrah that the Seattle was trying to make to continue to play that style of defense. He was cut midway through 2021. The Bengals picked him up. Um, and from what I understand, uh, and again, I didn't talk about Trey Flowers with Jake Lisko uh, of Locked On Bengals because I didn't know this at the time when we recorded this. But um, from what I understand, he played more of a safety role this past year. He kind of was designated as their tight end eraser for them uh, with some of the AFC Titans that they were facing. But his primary role the past two seasons in Cincinnati was on special teams where he served as a gunner on the punt coverage team. And that's notable because the Falcons just added one gunner in Mac Hollins, uh, who potentially could replace, uh, you know, Kadero Hodge, one of their gunners on the punt coverage team at the wide receiver position. And they also lost Mike Ford, their other gunner at the cornerback position. So you could imagine the Falcons are targeting a guy like Trey Flowers to sort of step into that role as a reserve backup uh, corner slash safety that can play on special teams. So you're getting that special teams value. You're getting, you're adding size to the cornerback room or, or really the DB room uh, because of the loss of Isaiah Oliver. You're getting some positional versatility uh, with flowers being able to play not only corner, but also safety, which is, you know, something that you're also missing due to the loss of Oliver. And we saw him dabble in that role late in last season. And you're getting a player that could also help you add some size to cover some of the tight ends, because for most of, last year the guy that the falcons tasked with covering tight ends was richie grant and while richie grant did an admirable job doing that you know i don't think you ideally want a 511 195 pound safety matching up against like six foot four six foot five 255 pound tight ends on a consistent basis and flowers with his size about what six two two ten somewhere around there uh is going to give you a lot more in that regard so we'll see if the falcons wind up adding trey flowers so now that you are reminded of what Trey Flowers is potentially bringing to the table, uh, and now we have like 47 additional days uh, since then uh, of, you know, roster moves that the Falcons have made, you know, I, I do think Trey Flowers has a good shot of making the roster due to his special teams ability. And again, that's why you will constantly hear me say special teams matters because it's going to impact those back in roster spots in a major way. Someone on Twitter asked me after the flower signing, does this put DeMarco Hellams, the Falcon seventh round pick on the bubble? Because, you know, flowers can be a safety. And I don't think it does. You know, I think Hellams should be able to carve out a special teams role relatively easily uh, this year basically potentially taking over Eric Harris uh, in that regard. But I do think the player that could be most affected by the Trey Flower signing is Darren Hall, right? And that may prevent Hall from making the team because Hall has not necessarily carved out a role on special teams. He's been part of the kickoff coverage the last two years, but you'll hear me constantly say – 
kickoff coverage, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but it's hard to really carve out a niche on a team with kickoff coverage because we know the league has basically marginalized kickoffs. And so if you want to be a special teams maven, right, uh, air quotes <laughs> for those uh, in terms of that, um, you know, it's really about punt coverage. And for a cornerback like Hall or Flowers, it's really about being a gunner and gu- and Hall and uh, Flowers, I'm sorry, has that experience. And, and Hall doesn't outside of a, a handful of snaps his rookie summer in the preseason. And so I do think this could potentially put Hall on the bubble. And this is going to be an interesting summer for players like Hall, as well as others from that 21 draft class, Jalen Mayfield, uh, Adeogan Deji, Frank Darby. Like this is the summer where I think a lot of those guys, they have to put it all together because if they don't, they may find themselves, you know, on those final cuts come, you know, late August, early September when that happens. So we'll see if Hall can put that together. We'll see what Flowers brings to the table and whatnot. But uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the Trey Flowers um, signing. And, you know, last week when I did my roster depth chart breakdown, you know, I, I had Hall making the roster. But if I was to do that today, now after the Trey Flowers signing, you know, I, I might leave Hall off that off the roster uh, in that regard. So we'll see how it all, sh- you know, shakes out. Later this summer, we'll certainly be doing positional breakdowns, you know, probably get to cornerback and safety, you know, in mid-July before training camp starts. But we'll see, you know, if the opinions have changed based, you know, between now and then. So another 47 days or however long that is between now and then. So uh, that's going to do it for us here, guys, on today's episode. As I said earlier, uh, tomorrow's episode will feature Brandon Thorne of um, Offensive Line Masterminds. You know, the Bleacher Report, you know, he's a guru, Trench Warfare, Stubstack, and Locked On Syracuse host Owen Valentine. And we'll talk all about Matthew Bergeron, you know, for all of you guys that are all about the trenches. You know, tomorrow's episode will definitely be for you. And um, continue to make Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Check out Locked On NFL Draft if you want to get more insights uh, from Damian Parson and, and Keith Sanchez about this past year's draft, as well as the upcoming draft in 2024. So go check that out. All part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.